My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. And today it is just me. There is no guest, there's no producer. Um, because I thought, you know what? I'm just going to sit down and uh, talk to you guys. Because um, the past couple of episodes, um, we've covered a lot of things. We've covered comic book writing and pitching and and conferences, and audience, and web series. But today, I want to get back to the script. And so I thought it might be fun to uh, go over with you something called the Industry Ready Checklist, which is a checklist that I give my writers at the end of the rewrite weekend um, to make sure that their scripts are completely ready before they push it out to the world. So I'm going to share that industry ready checklist today with you and, uh, and go through it um, from beginning to end. So let's first start with the look of a script. I know that sounds really basic, but it's funny to me that sometimes I'll get a script and it still is in a weird font. Um, it has illustrations. So just, uh, just bottom line to remember, most of you know, you know, 12 point courier or the default font in your script program. Now, do I care what script program you're in? Nope. As long as it capitalizes and indents for you so that you don't have to do that work. To me, it's a worthwhile script program. So make sure it's 12 point courier or the default font in that script program. No illustrations or cute fonts, please. And no WGA registration date on the cover. Now, um, some of you might be saying, but wait, shouldn't we register it with the WGA? Absolutely. Just a reminder what the WGA does. The WGA, by actually um, submitting your script to the WGA, it's creating a paper trail for you. It's creating evidence that you wrote that script and submitted it at a certain time. It doesn't completely protect the words. It just creates that paper trail for you if you end up suing or if somebody ends up suing you. So in addition to filing your script with the WGA, you also want to send it to copyright, okay? Because copyright better protects the actual execution of your idea. And both things can be found online. You can uh, fill out the forms, uh, submit pretty modest fees. And if you have WGA and copyright, you're just fine. But you do not need to put copyright marks and WGA registration dates all over your script. It makes you look paranoid. So don't do it. That's one of the things to get off of your first page before you hand it in. Remember, we're talking about making your script industry ready. So that's the look part of this checklist. 
Let's move on to format. So um, top of the industry ready checklist with format is to clean up the camera direction, eliminating it altogether if you can. So just a reminder that you don't need things like close up on Jane's face. If you if I say to you close up on Jane's face, that doesn't actually imply emotionally what she's going through. It doesn't give you any sense of story. But if I say to you, Jane's face fills with joy. Jane's face fills with disgust. You're telling two different stories there. And the natural way for the camera to go is close up. So visually tell your story and the camera directions follow. Another thing to remember with format is to paragraph to create more air on the page, also known as white space. Um, This can be frustrating to writers because they're like, why do I need a lot of white space? Why not just have the words? I'm a writer. And that makes sense. But this is a way not only to trick the reader into reading everything, but also to be truer to the pacing of of a scene. So if you imagine for a second what you learned in 10th grade English, um, that a topic sentence and a conclusion really sort of bring home what a paragraph is about. If a reader sees a big fat paragraph of stuff and they're busy or they've gotten the gist of what you're going for, they might cheat by just reading the topic sentence and the conclusion. So your job is to make them read all of the visual points that you have by paragraphing that paragraph, breaking it up into smaller paragraphs. And when you do beat by beat of whatever you're writing, you might also see, oh gosh, I have too much stuff. So that may actually help you edit. Once you see all the beats within that big fat paragraph, you might realize, oh, I only needed two lines to express it. So it'll help you with editing. It'll help the eye move to what's important. And it will be truer to the pacing of the moment because you haven't filled what you thought was one beat with five. Another thing is not to bury key pieces of information in overwritten scene direction. Pretty much the same thing that we're talking about in the fact that people will write and write and write and write. And somewhere within that paragraph was what the story of the scene was actually about. So one thing that I advise usually is to go into your overwritten scenes or paragraphs and go in and circle that one line that really brings home the visual point of the scene. Then either eliminate everything around it or go in and pick and choose what has to come before it and what has to spring off of it. You might find that everything else is extraneous and it will help you edit. Another thing for the format section of the industry ready checklist, use caps to bring attention to things that are pivotal on the page, but don't overuse them. So there was a time where caps got really in and it was just everything was capitalized and it brought attention to the words and it and the camera went close up on everything you capitalized. But then it started feeling like the script pages were shouting at you. So if you are going to use caps, go for it. it. It You don't have to just just have it for sound effects anymore. It does emphasize certain objects, for example, that you want people to take note of or that you want the camera to get close on. But um, be consistent about it and be aware of it. Don't overuse it. And one tip 
is to scan the page and see what words catch the eye. Okay. If certain keywords are catching the eye as you're moving down them, then the caps are doing their job. Okay. Frankly, frankly, I'm all for just getting rid of them altogether and using your paragraphs because as we move down the page, we're really reading and it, it's doing the same job the caps would do. It's still bringing our attention to those key moments on the page. So um, just to go over the format one more time, clean up the camera directions, paragraph to create more air on the page, don't bury key pieces of information in overwritten scene direction, use caps to bring attention to things that are pivotal on the page, but don't overuse them. And the tip is scan the page and see what words catch the eye. At this point, you're saying, Pilar, you're going really, really fast and I can't write all this stuff down. I know. And that is why if you email me at Pilar, P-I-L-A-R, at onthepage.tv or inquire at onthepage.tv, I will send you the industry-ready checklist as a PDF. Um, just uh, let me know that you want it. And, uh, and I'll send it out to you. Also, just so you know, whenever you email me, I will put you on the mailing list unless you tell me otherwise, um, but I promise not to spam you too much. Okay, moving on to style. Okay, so for style, for when you're getting your script industry ready, one thing that can help with any kind of rewrite but also makes your script so much more readable and interesting is to use essence statements to describe people instead of over-physicalizing them. What do I mean by that? Well, it's the difference between... Well, let's uh, let's go for Mary instead of Jane now. <laughs> Mary... Uh, 27 and brunette. Okay, that doesn't mean anything. She's 27 and she's brunette. And maybe you were trying to convey some kind of personality through that, but there are many different personalities that that, uh, a brunette 27-year-old might have. Okay? So instead of that, you could describe her via her personality. You could say something like sassy and street smart. Sassy and street smart. Okay, that tells us more about who she is and how she is than if she is simply a brunette and 27 years old. So use those essence statements. You can also use those essence statements to describe places or rooms. Um, does the does the office scream CEO or is it more appropriate for a frat boy? Okay, so one of those things can make us understand the personality of a place, the essence statement of that place, instead of overset decorating it. So in addition to using essence statements to describe people, I also want you to remember to use between the lines moments to convey subtext. What do I mean by between the lines? Well, those are those action moments that show you what's really going on, even though the dialogue may suggest something else. So let's say that somebody bumps into somebody and says, excuse me, but they really mean watch where you're going. Okay. If they said, watch where you're going, well, that could change the whole scene. But instead, they're going to say, excuse me, and an action line will convey what they really mean. So the watch where you're going could actually be an action line that shows them shoving off or glaring at the character. That is what I mean by using those between the lines moments to convey subtext. When you're reading your script, if you feel that emotionally people aren't going to get what's going on, make sure there's an action line that shows it. 
Another thing for style, put tonally specific buttons on the ends of scenes. And this is kind of an old-fashioned term that I use that is, uh, well, it, it, it really means the way it sounds, that you're buttoning up a scene. You're putting a final piece of dialogue or a final action line on a scene that brings closure to the scene while also making you want to read more. So oftentimes these buttons in terms of tone, if it's a comedy, it would be a punchline at the end of the scene. If it's a thriller, it would be a cliffhanger at the end of the scene. And you don't have to put it for every single scene, but if you are writing a genre movie or a genre TV show, and you feel like it's not being true to that genre, look to the ends of the scenes. That is where you're really going to find those moments that bring out the genre. Button it up. Another thing to be thinking about for style is to vary the scene pace. When the reader or the audience gets a sense of repetition in how you're telling the story, it starts to bore them. And they may, for the reader, it may be that they start realizing that you're just somebody who always writes two-page scenes, okay? They, they, they get the pace. Um, for the watcher, it may be that all of your scenes it, at two minutes long feel feel long. So remember that a scene can be as short as a quarter of a page, even an eighth of a page. So um, vary it. If everything's going long, start editing, start chopping away. There are certain scenes that deserve to be long, but make them worth it. So just to go over the style part of the industry ready checklist, use essence statements to describe people, Use between-the-lines moments to convey subtext. Put tonally specific buttons on the ends of scenes and vary scene pace. Now we're going to go into dialogue. The first thing that I ask you, I beg of you, is to cut the small talk. Remember that the advantage of writing film or TV is that it does not have to be as boring as real life. So cut the, hey, nice to meet you. What's your name? How you doing? Uh, sunny out there, hot out there, cold out there. Get rid of it. Cut the small talk. Okay. Also, don't talk or argue in circles. Once you've hit the point, move on. That's a good way to edit your dialogue. In arguments in real life, we tend to circle back to the same topic and re-argue. And no matter how clever you write, it feels a little like torture when you're reading it and when you're watching it. So once you've hit your point, move on. A tip I can give you is if you're writing things like, oh, that reminds me, by the way, and speaking of, you're going on too long. Now, what do I mean by this? If you suddenly are having these artificial segues, oh, that reminds me. Well, by the way, speaking of, you're suddenly going into a new topic within the dialogue that makes me feel like, oh, wait a minute, clearly you hit the point. Why are we bringing up something brand new? Can't this point be hit in another scene down the road? So when you see those little flags, okay, look at it because you're about to hand this over to industry and ask yourself if you added a beat too much in your dialogue. Finally, with your dialogue, write with the agenda of the characters in mind. They are not talking to each other just to talk or to be amusing. They are talking because they want something from the conversation. Okay, If they're not moving that dialogue toward that agenda, and that doesn't mean they have to be on the nose, but if, if 
what they're getting at doesn't uh, doesn't move the story in some way toward what they want, rewrite the dialogue so that you can at least get the subtext of that agenda in there. So again, to go over our industry-ready checklist dialogue part, cut the small talk. Don't talk or argue in circles. And if you're writing things like, that reminds me, by the way, and speaking of, you're going on too long, and write with the agenda of the characters in mind. Now let's move on to the first page. So um, no one is going to put down your script after the first page. I promise you, nobody's even going to put down your script after 10 pages. Uh, you know, the, the job of most people in the industry on the development side is to actually read a script. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they won't start making some judgments pretty early on. So that first page, if it's an interesting first page, you've already primed them for a great read. So one thing to be thinking about is to have an active beginning, come in on some kind of event. Even if your your main character isn't there, something that grabs us. That's why in TV, we often start with a teaser. Okay. It's an event that teases us, um, especially in terms of of genre about um, scares or romance or um, comedy to come. Um, even if on page two, it backs up a little bit and starts um, working its way back to those scares or that romance or that comedy. So an active beginning, come in on an event and set the tone. Also, build to a punchline or a scene button that ends on the first page. That's not a bad tip. And then also maybe ask yourself if the first page tells its own story. It doesn't have to be a a huge story, but look at it and ask yourself, does it sort of have a natural beginning, middle, and end? If that end is the, the line at the top of the second page, edit your first page so that that ending really hits at the end of page one. So again, for the first page, active beginning, come in on an event, set the tone, build to a punchline or scene button that ends on the first page, and then ask yourself if the first page tells its own story. Okay, now we're going to move on to the main character. Again, this is just your little checklist to remind you uh, to have all of your T's crossed and your eyes dotted. And here we are at the main character. And this is a reminder to introduce your main character in the midst of a character revealing activity. So we have this essence statement of Jane and she's sassy and street smart, but Jane sassy and street smart does what? What is she in the middle of doing when we first see her on screen. Whatever she's in the middle of doing somewhat defines her for us. It makes us get her a little bit more. So if there's something that's character revealing and interesting and active, it it can even cut the fat of the first act because we don't need a lot of setup. Okay. So if we see her uh, in the middle of um, stealing something, if we see her in the middle of seducing somebody, if we see her in the middle of running a boardroom, if we see her in the middle of swimming the channel, then all of these things make us give us a sense of who she is right up front and get us into the script in an active way. 
Another thing to be thinking about with your main character is a provocative opening line, something that reveals personality. Um, Hi, I'm Jane is probably not the way to go. Okay. What does Jane say when she emerges from swimming the channel? Because, <laughs> you know, this is a script about swimming the channel. Okay, moving on. Um, a tip here is to establish an interesting character rule right up front, something that makes us want to know more about the character or pays off later. So what do I mean by a character rule? It could be a personality quirk, something that your character always or always does throughout the script, these these little pieces of behavior that make us go, huh, that's an interesting way of doing that. And then you continue to see the character play out that rule throughout the script and then even break that rule to show that he or she has changed. So here is uh, the main character checklist uh, one more time. Introduce your main character in the midst of a character revealing activity. Give him a provocative opening line, something that reveals personality or her. And establish an interesting character rule right up front, something that makes us want to know more about the character and or pays off later. Now, bringing characters together. This is the next part of the list. Um, Again, this has to do with uh, cutting small talk. Here, I'm asking you to cut the introductions. Hi, I'm Jane. We're going to get rid of it. Instead, bring your characters together in an active or conflict-filled moment. You've heard the expression, meeting cute or the cute meet. Um, Think about uh, the angry meet or the selfish meet. Um, Having them in the middle of an active and emotional conflict-filled moment makes us get who they are right up front. Um, Having their different flaws, um, having their different flaws act out within the same moment can be very interesting. So here's a tip: if you introduce your characters when they want the same thing at the same time, so even if that's as mundane as checking out of the grocery line, they both want to check out at the grocery line. How they do it might be completely different, and it might create an interesting meet for the characters. A lot more interesting than, hi, how you doing? My name is Jane. Okay, moving on. We're now going to talk about the first beat. The first beat. Um, now, for a feature, you could see this as your inciting incident. This is the beat that is in the middle of Act one, and it tends to be the thing that moves your character toward their act break. Um, for uh, TV, this could be at the end of a teaser for your character, or it could be at the end of their act one. Maybe you don't want to give everything away just yet. So that first beat, make sure you've hit some kind of event, problem, or larger character revealing moment. Give us something. So um, if you think about when you're, when you're reading a script, if you've read a teaser and you're saying, oh, that's interesting at the end or the end of the act one where you're going, all right, I'm very interested in what's going to happen to this character. That is what I'm talking about with the first beat for feature. Um, we're talking, you know, the middle of act one. So I don't know, page 12, even 15, you're, you're saying, well, okay, that's uh, an interesting thing that happened to the character. I have a feeling that whatever happened there is going to get them into trouble at the act break. 
Now, when we get to your first major act break, for feature people, this is the end of act one, but your first major act break that really propels you into the story in a pilot, if it's one, if it's a one hour, could be the end of act two. Um, for half hour people, it's probably the end of act one for you. The things to be asking yourself is, what is the goal of the character, and has he or she come up with an interesting strategy toward achieving it? So as you're reading your script, um, when you're getting to your key act break, just ask yourself, Do I am I expressing the goal of the character? Yeah, sure I am. And is there a sense of an interesting strategy that your character has toward achieving it? Um, that could be the thing that really propels them into the rest of the story. And a tip here is that it's okay to sneak in a little exposition to make the act break clear. A simple one-line statement of intention won't feel too forced. Now, remember, that doesn't mean that you're being on the nose through the whole thing. You might have been subtle, 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 but it's okay to land sometimes at your act breaks. Better that than having a murky act break. Moving on to the midpoint, this is the midpoint of whether it's a TV pilot or whether it's a feature. You want to give that second half a new twist by upping the stakes, giving an ultimatum, or creating a ticking clock. I would also add a mission, okay, especially for a feature, okay, if a mission is on the horizon, that tends to, um, it tends to take everything that your character has, has learned along the way and gives it a focus. Actually for pilots as well, because the first half of a pilot tends to be more sort of setting up uh, characters and place and how they're getting into the TV show. And the second half tends to be a mini episode of that TV show. So having some kind of mission at the midpoint turns the just the setup into an actual mini episode. Now, this is the kind of problem that is going to be solved week after week in your TV show. So that midpoint can be very important in a pilot as well as in a feature. And remember, relationships can play a really key role. Okay. They can either help a main character decide on a mission or bring them into the mission in a pilot. For feature, they can become the mission. Okay. If you sudden, if a character suddenly cares about another character to the extent that they're going to take all their skills and apply them toward saving this character or helping that character, that is uh, that could be a, a, a midpoint event that really works for your feature. So again, remember, relationships can play a key role. Now let's get to the crisis part. And again, this is for your industry-ready checklist, checking it over to see if everything is as strong as it can be. Now for our crisis, we usually have that around the end of Act 2. Um, and uh, for your pilots, um, if it's a one hour, everything kind of can get to a crisis point at the end of Act 3 or Act 4 um, for a uh, half hour, um, this crisis might have uh, might not be quite so serious, um, but it might be something, again, that we're hitting in the second act. And you can create crisis for your character by increasing the antagonist activity. You can create a low point by having the flaw return in a way that creates an obstacle. 
You can also show choices, show that a choice is made that has to be overcome in the third act or in the end. And you can also have those act low points trigger a problem-solving strategy. So again, create the crisis for a character by increasing the antagonist activity, okay? Especially if it's feature. You want to create low points by having a flaw return in a way that creates an obstacle. For TV, it's often that, okay? Because we love our flaw, uh, our, our, our very, very flawed characters, You can also show a choice that has been made that has to be overcome in the third act at the end, okay? And you can have those act low points trigger a problem-solving strategy. What do I mean? I mean that when there are low points and somebody hits bottom, often the only way back is up. And when you hit bottom, sometimes there is a reveal that, ah, I was doing this all wrong. This is what I have to do. Okay. So um, again, this is going to be in a list that you can um, email me for, and I will send you the PDF. Genre ending tips. Okay. Again, for your industry ready checklist to make sure that your your endings, whether it's a feature third act, okay, or whether it is the end of your pilot, that it is reflective of the genre, okay, that it's scary enough or funny enough. So for comedy, one tip that I can give you is to fix a problem with a big mission that lends itself to physical and verbal comedy. So we do want to fix things or try to solve problems in features, but that doesn't mean that it needs to be neat as a pin. So however a character tries to fix a problem, make it messy and funny. Okay. Make that a big problem solving set piece at the end. For romantic comedy, please, please, please make your characters earn each other. Don't lean on monologue. Um, I have watched too many, I've watched on screen too many romantic comedies uh, monologue their way into happiness. And I've certainly read so many of them that do that. Characters need to earn each other. Remember, they've been learning about each other along the way. So they can earn each other through what they've learned. They might um, earn each other by uh, fighting a foe, um, by solving a problem, um, by retrieving a treasure. Okay, But there are many ways to earn each other. Please don't lean on monologue. And if you think you're getting away with it in the third act, you are not. Okay, moving on to a thriller. Um, one tip that I can give you is to pay off a clue or a behavior from the first act. Right now, with with thrillers, we uh, you know it's 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 very difficult because you've got to be clever. But often, often um, the answer to solving a problem was there in the beginning. You can twist our perception. Don't throw in new information or a new character. Just twist our perception about something that we saw or someone that we saw. Mine what you have. When you throw in that new information or a new character, it feels like you're cheating. The audience goes away feeling cheated. For horror, 
Of course, we're going to have that final battle. It might be against the monster or the slasher or the house, the haunted house. But what we're looking for is a fresh take on that final battle with the monster or the slasher or the haunted house. Um, horror movie fans have seen it and they've seen it again. So they're looking for uh, that way uh, to battle that they've never seen before. Okay, so you want to think about all of the cool rules that you've thrown into this script. Pay them off in that third act. For fantasy, um, apply established magic, objects, and powers towards solving the problem. Established magic, objects, and powers. If I am reading something and it is setting up fantasy rule after fantasy rule and not actually paying these things off. It just feels like you're world building without end. So take that great world that you've built and apply it to that third act. If this is a pilot, make sure that any rule that you're weaving in that we can see how it is applied toward problem solving. Okay? or toward even making things worse for your character within the pilot. So apply the established magic, objects, and powers. For drama, for drama, again, this is for your uh, genre uh, endings. Um, please cut your happily ever after tags. I've seen them a million times. Six months later, she's pregnant. Please cut them. Instead, leave your script on a single poignant moment. Um, I personally would rather see somebody go off into the sunset and imagine their incredible ending than have you spoon feed it to me. And I know that audiences feel the same way. They like to feel hopeful or wondering rather than uh, that you're babysitting them at the very, very end. For action, that final solution should be active, but it should also include an emotional change in the main character. Um, action movies uh, feel uh, stilted and cookie cutter and go direct to video when there is no emotional change in the main character. We love our action heroes uh, who get a little bit deep. Um, and for pilots, same thing. Uh, what we're looking for is um, that uh, emotional soft spot for the character. So even if they're kick-assing their way through the pilot, um, we're looking for that moment of vulnerability. For every genre at your end, pay it off, pay it off, pay it off. You set it up for a reason. The most mundane uh, piece of information that you thought you were only throwing in for personality, well, it actually could be something that triggers the solution at the end. So use all those wonderful things that you yourself have created. Pay it off and you will find your ending. Now, that was your industry-ready checklist. Again, it's some things to go through as you're doing the final read on your project before you give it to somebody else to read, whether that is a producer, an agent, a manager, or even a script consultant like me who would like to make sure that you did everything in your own power before you handed it off to somebody else. Um, and, uh, and if you've been, been listening to this going, yeah, but you know, all this is just sort of practical tips about writing. Yeah, you're right. You got me. These are practical tips about writing. But sometimes when we've left a script, you haven't done them. 
Okay, so uh, use this checklist to go through and make sure that you're doing things to the best of your abilities. Um, Like I said, if you want a copy of this checklist, just email me at pilar at onthepage.tv. That's P-I-L-A-R or inquire at onthepage.tv. Guess what? They go to the same place, me. And uh, and I will send you a PDF of the Industry Ready Checklist. If you can do me a favor and maybe even put in your header, um, Industry Ready Checklist PDF, that would be really helpful. So I'm, I make sure not to miss it. If you are interested in the rewrite class that, uh, that this actually came out of, um, then check out onthepage.tv and you can sign up for the November 12th and 13th two-day rewrite weekend. Now, this is really just a weekend full of advanced writing techniques, um, and it does not have to be that you've completed a first draft. So you can come in with an outline. I don't care. You will learn something and emerge a better writer. It will take you through um, your script element by element and make those elements stronger and make your script stronger. So again, that's the 12th and 13th of November. I'd love to see you here at onthepage.tv. If anybody is looking for um, uh, recorded classes online, I have been putting some recorded classes together and distributing them through Cinevi. You can find the Cinevi link again through onthepage.tv. Look at the online section and you can click on the links for Cinevi. I think that's about it. I appreciate the fact that it was just you guys and me this time. Next week, we will have another fantastic guest as usual. Uh, But until then, I know that you will be hitting your scripts. So get to it. Lock yourself in a room. No internet. Get the checklist out. Make sure that it's industry ready and have a good writing week. (music) Thank <music> you.